0: Welcome back to the Mastering Your Fertility podcast. This show is all about empowering couples with the knowledge they need to get pregnant, stay pregnant, and have the healthiest baby possible. I'm Kristen Cornett, a functional nutritional therapy practitioner and owner of an online fertility practice called Tiny Feet. I work with women and couples all over the world to optimize their health and fertility so they can build the families they've always dreamed of. You can learn more about me on my website at tinyfeet.co. Thanks so much for tuning in with me today. Before we get started, I just wanna share a couple of awesome free resources that can help you move forward on your journey. First is the free Are You Healthy Enough to Get Pregnant quiz that will ask you about symptoms in five areas of health that are foundational to fertility and provide you with some practical tips on how to get started addressing each area. Next is the free mini course on how to choose the best prenatal supplements, which walks you through the specific nutrients you need to support your fertility and a healthy pregnancy and how to find high quality supplements to meet your needs. And lastly, if you're wanting more individualized advice for where to go next on your journey, or you're thinking that you'd like to work with someone one-on-one, you can go ahead and schedule a free 20 minute phone consult with me. You can find links to all three of these resources through the link in this week's episode description. You're listening to episode 78, and this week I have the pleasure of interviewing acupuncturist and women's health and fertility expert, Amy Raup. We're gonna be talking about how the immune system impacts fertility, particularly with autoimmune processes, and how to heal from immune system dysfunction and optimize overall health to conceive. We're gonna be paying special attention to how thoughts, beliefs, emotions, and trauma can cause increased inflammation in the body. Inflammation is what really sets the stage for the development or worsening of immune and inflammatory problems that can negatively affect several aspects of fertility, from our hormones to our egg quality to even our ability to sustain a pregnancy. So in this episode, you're going to learn about how thoughts and beliefs affect the physical body and why it's so important to focus our attention here during fertility challenges. Why we need to stay connected and in tune with all aspects of health during this journey, not just our hormones and menstrual cycles. What autoimmunity actually is and some of the symptoms or conditions that might indicate that an autoimmune process has started in your body. Ways we can start to reconnect and change the way we think about and talk to ourselves. And how Chinese medicine and acupuncture can support immune system healing, overall health, and fertility. All right, so let me officially introduce you to our guest and we'll get started on the interview. Amy Raup is a renowned women's health and wellness expert and the best-selling author of the books, Chill Out and Get Healthy, Yes You Can Get Pregnant, and Body Belief. A licensed acupuncturist and herbalist in private practice in New York, she holds a Master of Science degree in traditional oriental medicine from the Pacific College of Oriental Medicine and a bachelor's degree in biology from Rutgers University. Amy is also the founder of the Amy Raup Beauty line of handcrafted organic skincare products. She has appeared on The View and has been featured in Glamour, Allure, Well and Good, Goop, Shape, and Redbook, and has received endorsements from Deepak Chopra, Dr. Christian Northrup, Ariana Huffington, and Gabby Bernstein for her work in helping thousands of women to improve their vitality, celebrate their beauty, and reconnect to the presence of their optimal health. Amy is also the head of Chinese medicine at The Well, an active columnist for media outlets such as Thrive Global, Well and Good, Mind Body Green, and is a frequent speaker at women's health and wellness conferences across the nation. She engages her large community worldwide through her online programs and with her website amyroup.com. You can find links to Amy's work as well as the books and resources we discuss in the episode in this week's show notes, which you can access through the link in the episode description. Also, just a quick note about the audio in the second half of the interview. Podcast recording has definitely presented some challenges during COVID-19, and you might notice that we had some minor hangups here and there with our Zoom recording, as well as some background participation from Amy's son. We really did the best that we could given the circumstances, and I hope that you're all still able to enjoy the interview. All right, so let's dive in and get started. All right. Welcome, Amy Robb. Thank you so much for joining me today on Mastering Your Fertility. I'm really excited to have you.
1: Well, thank you so much, Kristen. I am excited to be here.
0: Absolutely. I think this is going to be a really interesting interview for listeners and covering some topics that we haven't discussed before. But why don't you start off by just sharing a little bit more about your background, what brought you to acupuncture, and how you decided to focus a practice in women's health?
1: So I have been practicing studying Chinese medicine um for twenty years. I've been in clinical practice for 16 and Chinese medicine, um acupuncture and Chinese herbs are just one or two facets of Chinese medicine. It encompasses, you know, very holistic approach. It's lifestyle, it's mental emotional, and of course acupuncture and, and Chinese herbs, diet. Um Prior to becoming an acupuncturist or going to Chinese medicine school, I was you know I was a biology and chemistry major in college, and then I went on to do graduate work in neuroscience, and the intention was to go to medical school. I didn't get accepted the first time I applied, which at the time was devastating, but in the um, in retrospect, probably one of the best things that ever happened in my life. Uh, only because I got to practice, you know, medicine, I think the way it really suits me, which is to look at the very holistic viewpoint. And so, you know, early on in my practice, I was very much general medicine, but I did, you know, I think it's just statistically speaking, women go for acupuncture and Chinese medicine more than men. So you just start to see hormonal issues. And then I started seeing, you know, women trying to conceive and, uh, you know, I, I, I think I got a little obsessed with it because of my scientific background and because Chinese medicine is such a subjective medicine, you know, it's really, you don't have a lot of hardcore data that you get to analyze and see it shift or change. Um, but with pregnancy, it's a very, you know, obvious end result, right? You either get it or you don't. And, um, or should I say it either happens or it doesn't. And so it became this, you know, um, passion of mine, but what I also noticed was that if I focused on treating fertility from a Chinese medicine perspective, that it's, it's not about treating fertility. It's about treating the whole body, right? It's about regulating the entire system. And when I did that, like when I helped a woman improve her sleep and her digestion and maybe her anxiety or her eczema or her psoriasis. Then I noticed that fertility just came in—you know—it started to become more abundant, as we would say in Chinese medicine. Like all of her hormones came back into balance, or maybe she got pregnant um, more easily than if I strictly focused on, you know, because there is some Chinese medicine or fertility acupuncture, if you will. That's very—it almost compartmentalizes the way Western medicine would. So for me, that was like a big shift and which is why I wrote, you know, yes, you can get pregnant. My, my second book, it was, it was focusing on that part that I realized, oh, this is really just fertility is just an extension of health. And if I focus on health solely and health is mental, it's emotional, it's physical it's nutritional, these women start getting pregnant even against the odds, right? Even with bad hormones or, you know, whatever you want to, whatever the story is that, you know, um. Has been told to you, or the diagnoses you have received um, when, and I and I see that now too. And it's basically how I practice now for, you know, at least ten years in my practice. That it really shifted for me when I started just focusing on health, and then fertility thrived. And so, yeah, I still get to basically call myself like a fertility expert, but really what I'm doing is just optimizing health on every level, and then women get pregnant. And so I get to do it both, but we can we can say I specialize in women's health.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, that that really is the, the core of fertility is that overall health. And I think that is something that can be hard to understand a little bit on this journey because that's not how we're taught. It's not how our doctors teach us yeah. when we go in for a fertility-specific concern. They're not like, okay, well, what's going on with the rest of your health? And okay, mm-hmm. let's do labs to check in on your general health. It's really more hyper focused on just the reproductive system, just the hormones. And then it's like, okay, well, if those are out of balance, then, you know, drugs are generally the treatment.
1: I remember going for, like when I was, you know, I was practicing Chinese medicine, um, probably uh, at least eight years at this point. And I went in for a yearly and I had a new doctor. I was living in Manhattan and I chose the midwife in the practice and I was really psyched to meet her. And she was like, so, so tell me about your cycle. And I was like, okay, so it's 28 days. And like the first day this much bleeding the second day. And then she like stopped me and she was like, I don't need all that information. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, you know, cause in Chinese medicine, like I want every freaking detail. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what is day one? Like, what is your PMS? Like how, how many times are you changing that pad on day one? What kind of cloth? What, how big are they? What color are they? And it gives us so much information, you know, about the state of the health and the blood and how are things are moving. And Western medicine, you know, I think they're really, really important in so many ways and their um, modern fertility treatments are really allowing a lot of women to become mothers that couldn't um, maybe other ways, you know, and, and I think in conjunction, if you in, do integrative medicine and you work with both, you really get better success rates, but they just aren't looking at all that. You get very defined by your antral follicle count, by your FSH, your AMH, your age, regardless of your antral follicle count. Like you could have a really good FSH, but be 43 and they're basically going to tell you you know, sorry, um, your eggs are probably all bad. And that's just not what I see clinically at all. You know, I see you can, there's a, I've seen women improve their egg quality from 38 to 43. And I I do really think it's possible.
0: I agree. And it's, it's so multifaceted and, you know, I love the the books that you've written that really talk about some of these facets that really aren't looked at in Western medicine. And one of those books that you wrote is called Body Belief. And I really wanted to focus this episode on kind of what's discussed in that book, because I think it's so powerful and it's something that's really missing in the conversation. Even in a lot of holistic practices, it's still missing, you know, really talking about how things like thoughts and beliefs affect the physical body. So let's start there for people who don't have a background in this and just talk about like what can happen in our physical bodies when our thoughts and beliefs are maybe going in a direction that isn't super supportive to health?
1: A lot of inflammation. So just as food and, you know, hormones and chemicals in our uh, our food and our environment can uh, be very inflammatory, which everybody knows, you know, most women who are trying to get pregnant, they're thinking about like, how can I do an anti-inflammatory diet, right? That'll help improve egg quality. Um, but no one's really talking about the fact that our emotions and our thoughts can be just as inflammatory. You know, I I like to differentiate emotional inflammation versus physical inflammation. And, you know, I'll see, and, and somebody listening, you, this might resonate with you. I'll see a woman who's, you know, she's doing the diet and she's doing all the supplements and still not getting pregnant or still not responding to treatment the way she is expected to. And so uh, that to me is a, a sure sign that there's some emotional trauma or emotional uh, you know abuse that's going on in your own mind you know the the conversation you're having with yourself, how supportive, how kind is it versus how abusive and harsh is it and you know there's research i mean we we know two sides of it we know that our our beliefs, which are just thoughts we continuously think we have about you know, I think 50,000 thoughts a day, 90% of them are the same. So our beliefs dictate our behaviors, which dictate our health. So if a belief is something like I'm too old, all my eggs are bad, or I've had X amount of miscarriages, the chances of me carrying a healthy baby to term are, you know, zero, why bother? It's, it's really hard then to step into these behavioral shifts right that you might read about in somebody's book or sign up for a program with it's hard to really own those behavioral shifts if your beliefs don't support the fact that you know don't don't think that you can change right so your belief is chronically saying to you you're too old it doesn't matter oh but i'm going to try this diet it's like but why you know so chances are you won't stick to that program the other thing we know about beliefs is they actually are changing our physiology they're actually Uh, initiating neurotransmitters, neurochemical reactions in our brain, which will dictate our physiology. So again, if the conversation is you're too old, why bother? You know, it will create this pathway that basically tells the body you're too old, you're too old, you're too old, you're not functioning properly, you're broken. Body will actually start to shift in response to that to match that belief system, which is really um, I think can be overwhelming and scary, but I always say the best part about your beliefs is they are changeable. And, you know, and I give you a really good framework, how to do that in body belief. Um, you know, I start that book out with saying like, because the book is really about how to heal autoimmune diseases, shift your health, learn to love your body more, and we'll get into autoimmunity and how it impacts fertility. Um, I'm assuming, but I think we will. Uh, but, I can tell you the diet, I can tell you the lifestyle, I can tell you all the things to do to heal this autoimmunity. So maybe you could get pregnant or you could, you know, manage your Hashimoto's or, you know, things like that. But unless you actually believe your body can shift and change, it doesn't matter what I tell you to do because you'll do it for a little bit and you might see the changes. But if that core belief system still is, there's no hope. Why bother? You're just going to revert back, you know, and, um, and that's not to say all of us are hopeless by any means. We're not, it's just more about the first thing we really have to do is get in touch with our beliefs. And that's like the first step I take with most of my fertility clients. It's like, do you believe this can actually happen? Cause if you don't, and we probably shouldn't go down this path together. And if you don't, then why are you here? You know, I always, I always put that on them too. I'm like, you're not, you're here because you still have hope. You're maybe afraid to admit you have hope because you've been let down so many times. I totally get that um, but maybe we start to allow ourselves to have a little more of that hope or, or focus on all the ways in which our body is working, even though it's not working in this one department and get to shift our beliefs that way, you know? Um, but the beliefs really do play a major role in, in not just our behaviors and our physiology, but who we choose to surround ourselves with, like, where we're looking for social proof it's it's they they dictate our entire life and until you pay attention to them and actually actually also get to the root of where they came from you can you can change so many aspects of your life
0: that's completely true and you know to your point about the belief like do you actually believe this can happen I think there's the conscious aspect of that, and then Uh there's the subconscious aspect of that. And so, you know, I can attest to this personally with a long family history of autoimmunity, a couple of autoimmune Mm -hmm. conditions myself. And I like, I logically know from my study that these things can improve and they can heal. But when you've been sick for a long time or with fertility, you've been struggling with your fertility for a long time, you're like, well, I know this can happen and I know it happens to other people, but I'm just not sure that that's ever gonna be me. And it's that subconscious, like, really insidious, beliefs that kind of infiltrate and really prevent you from being able to fully accept that you can heal and this can happen for you, just like it does for other people.
1: Well, and that's it too. So I think that's where I usually start is if if it's really hard to get on board with yourself and you're believing in yourself, can you at least look at other stories similar to yours and see how they shifted? And could that give you just you know, there's something interesting too about beliefs is we don't have to change it. It doesn't have to go from black to white. Like there's no hope to, oh my gosh, there's so much hope. You know, I'm totally going to be pregnant tomorrow. That's completely unrealistic. And I never recommend that. Um, you can't affirm your way into this. You have to actually believe it. But so we go from black to a little gray to a little more gray. So it's going from, there's no hope. Why bother to, okay, well, it worked for Susan. And she's kind of the same age as me and she had the same kind of things going on and she did this and it worked for her. So am I willing to be open to the possibility? That's all you got to do. Am I willing to be open to the possibility that this could happen for me? Maybe. You don't even have to have a strong yes there. Maybe. So then it's just next time the thought comes up of like, there's no hope I bother. The next thing you actually... A, you got to hear the thought. That's that's the hardest work. You got to reconnect to yourself, which is the first pillar in body belief. A, you got to really hear the conversation you're having with yourself. And again, like I said, 90% of the thoughts are the same. So once you start hearing it, you, you realize how often you say it throughout the day. Um, so And then B, you start to respond to yourself and you say, you know what? that That is a belief that I've had for a long time, that there is no hope, so I bother? But it did work for Susan and she's I'm, I'm open to believing there's a possibility for me. You know, I'm open to pursuing this. Why not? How, you know, how can it hurt me? Right. So that's it. You just start there. And then, you know, you basically just gradually soften those thoughts. My spiritual teacher would say like, how can you say it better? You just start saying it a little bit better to yourself every time. And that begins to shift it. And you can also like, just like you said, like there's a lot of autoimmunity in my family. I too have all these autoimmune diseases it's that's your social proof right now right so you're when we all do this it's like it's a belief that we have and then we look around for the proof of that belief right that's what we do and so now if you start to shift and say but there is a woman that has a similar family history to me and she has autoimmune diseases and it it, it, is things did shift for her so now all of a sudden you're starting to see that population like oh these are people who actually heal there are people out there And then you start to read their stories and it starts to be like, oh, I can see myself in their story. Do you know what I mean? And you start to shift and you start to shift how you see the world and then you start to shift how you function in the world. And um, it really does. I mean, if you walk around with these constant attacking thoughts, it, it does trigger the fight or flight response basically all day long. And you are in a state of you know, your cortisone and cortisol are just super high and your body is in a state of fight or flight. And that's also a very challenging state to get pregnant in, right? The body- Wants to get pregnant because it feels safe. It feels like it has enough to give up. And if those thoughts are constantly attacking, that's not a super safe environment either. Not to say women don't get pregnant with negative thoughts. Of course we do. And it's also not to say that we have to be free of these negative beliefs or non supportive beliefs. It's kind of like a 60 40 rule. You know, if you could get yourself thinking in a way that's more supportive and kind to yourself 60, 70% of the time, you've got it.
0: Yeah, that's, I think that's absolutely true. And everybody has negative thoughts, but it's, is that what's replaying in your mind over and over again, minute after minute, hour after hour, day after day. Um, so I think it's really powerful just looking at it from an incremental perspective, knowing that you don't have to change all of your thoughts overnight, um, and everything about the way that you think, but it's just that, like, just make it a little bit better each time, a little bit kinder each time.
1: Yeah. And that's it. Like I think too, you put on your filter, like, would you say that to your best friend or to your partner or to your child that way? You probably never would. You would filter it. And so start filtering for yourself too. And and I do think, you know, in it's really important to acknowledge those beliefs. I think in the world of like self-help now, there's a lot of conversation about, you know, just positive affirmations, right? Positive affirmations. And They can definitely help, but not if you're just stifling or pushing down the negative beliefs, because that actually becomes a pretty toxic environment in your body. So it's really about, I have this belief. I want to acknowledge it. Where did it come from? Chances are it was around long before you got a diagnosis of fertility challenges or autoimmunity or anything like that and hate to hate to say it, you know, or sound cliche, it really comes back to self-worth and self-love and where you felt valued, where where you felt heard, where you felt abandoned, where you felt hurt, uh, traumatized, you know, and trauma again, isn't something just, you know, obviously sexual abuse is significantly traumatic, but, um, trauma could be something like, you know, just a bad breakup in high school or, you know, like we all process trauma differently. And so to just really start to pay attention to those beliefs and, um, you know, as you get deeper into the work of like, how long have they been around and, you know, can you picture yourself the first time you had that belief and can you go back in and have forgiveness and compassion for that? And that's when you really get to start shifting these major things where it's like, oh my gosh, I've doubted myself for a very long time. You know, I've always believed that I have to work super hard to get anything I want. and So that's a core belief, right? You got that probably when you were four or five. That's not since trying to get pregnant, at least in my clinical experience, which has been a very long time and thousands of women. It's these, these beliefs have been around a very long time. And Um, some might think that that makes them harder to change, but not necessarily You just have to acknowledge them. And then you begin to reform reform them. And and then you just start to see like, oh, there I go again. I'm doing that thing I do. Okay. This time I'm going to catch myself and just say, I'm open to the possibility of change, you know, and that's all you have to do. And then you start to slide into another arena and it literally starts creating new pathways in your brain. Because basically you have the belief, it triggers like the trauma thought and you go down the same pathway and you just keep doing it over and over again. Joe Dispenza says, if, if you want to change the trajectory of your life, you have to change like our, our, our emotions are based on our past. So we have to change our reaction to our present if we want to change our future. And if but if we could just keep reacting the same exact way, we're not going to change anything. It'll just keep happening. You know, it's kind of like our karma in a sense. But so all we have to do is say, okay, I'm ready to form a new pathway. You can get halfway down the old pathway and then backtrack and go down a new one. You know, you have, you have lots of uh, possibilities here.
0: Yeah. And the brain does change. I mean, we used to think that it we totally were does, static yeah. and now we have mm-hmm. this whole study on neuroplasticity and how the brain can change itself and how we, have a, we can have an active role in creating those new pathways and kind of pruning back some of those like trauma loops that you're talking about. Yeah. I have just uh, started recently- Trauma loop. I like that. Yeah. I just yeah. recently started exploring DNRS. Are you familiar with that? Yes. Dynamic yes. neural training system. It's yeah. so yeah. Oh, yeah. great. Yeah and it's so great for a lot of things. I mean, it was originally developed for like multiple chemical sensitivity, chronic fatigue, mm-hmm. fibromyalgia, but a lot of people are using it for some really significant illnesses, things like Lyme and mold and autoimmunity. And food yeah. Symptoms.
1: What's that book? Isn't it like a rewire? What's the name of the book?
0: Um, oh, uh, yeah. 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 Rewire Your brain or something. Yeah. I think it is. I use that for
1: research for body belief. Um, and I, even EMDR that, you know, uh, I don't know if you saw, and this will go out fairly recently, but not to wellness mama. She, she went public with, um, how she dropped 50 pounds. And, you know, I was on her podcast at one point point. we were talking about body belief and, you know, it, it kind of brought up this conversation of like past traumas and things of that nature for her. And, and she was doing the right diet and the right exercise, but she couldn't drop the weight. And then she realized she, she was like, I could do all the talk therapy in the world to talk about these past traumas, but she actually had to like retrain her brain, how she was thinking. And the, the DNRS, I think helped her, the EMDR helped her in therapy. So it's like, you could do active psychotherapy for these traumas, which I think is the right place to begin, but things like tapping, like emotional freedom technique, tapping, amazing to start to rewire the body, EMDR, um, and the DNRS absolutely. And even, uh, you know, different types of movements. I know a trauma therapist who she basically gets people like she has people identify. Okay. So you have this traumatic experience. What is the, what is the, the, the shape associated with it? Like what position do you want to be in? And she actually gets on the ground and works with them in that position to get all the feelings and they start to feel their body fascinating stuff because where we store things. And, you know, I mean, I just had a patient recently who's, and trying to get pregnant, she had one miscarriage. Um, she went down the IVF pathway, uh, the first transfer didn't work, and she was devastated. And it kind of didn't make sense because she's young, she's got you know, all her numbers are beautiful and all the things. And um, she was doing EMDR, and what came up for her was the recollection that her stepmom, when she was like 11, had a stillborn, and she formed a belief in there that. And she, she, she had no, mem- like, she didn't remember that this was so, sick you know what I mean? Like, obviously she remembered that she had a, a stillborn. Um, it was a very traumatic experience. But she, like, what came up for her in the MDR was this thing of, like, wow, pregnancy's really hard. Like, you, you know, you're going to have struggles. And, and this, you know, she lost this baby and, like, this, this significant trauma related to pregnancy and childbirth. And work through it and you know happy to say I mean of course this sounds so easy uh, she did a lot of other things too but you know she's like 12 weeks pregnant now which is beautiful um but a huge trauma that she had to release somewhere and could that have been impacting things maybe you know um because did she have this belief that it had to be really hard um or that there were a lot of challenges with pregnancy maybe you
0: know yeah for sure So I want to talk a little bit about this idea of reconnecting to the body because in some ways I feel like women think they're really hyper-connected to their bodies when they're going through fertility struggles, but I kind of think it's like a hyper-focus on certain things and kind of this Mm -hmm. lack of connection and understanding and awareness of other things in the body. So not being as aware of your thoughts and beliefs and how you're talking to yourself, you might not even be aware or even thinking that other health challenges could be affecting fertility. Like what we talked about at the beginning where general health is the foundation for fertility. And so I do think that women get into this uh, hyper-focus on just hormones and their menstrual cycle and their cervical mucus, and they have a lack of awareness of all of these other things that could be affecting fertility. Is that something that you feel like you see a lot in your practice?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know,
0: in fact, so much, you know,
1: I have them fill out like I call it the red flag symptom list. And, you know, we, I'll probably spend the first consult, um, you know, where I go over the whole system and, you know, they just want to talk to me about, you know, their FSH and their AMH and their antral follicle count and how many IUIs they've done and, and things that, and of course I hold space and I want to hear all of it cause it gives me information. But and when I point out to them, like, okay, so you have a loose bowel movement every single day, that's telling me that your body's not absorbing its nutrition so you your egg quality is going to be compromised actually right now we need to get you to absorb your nutrition so your egg quality can improve and so your blood flow can improve it's like chinese medicine we say the number one place that we build our blood is from the food that we eat and from the the how we take in the world basically the air we breathe but also emotionally how are we taking in the world um and, you know, so if I see like a scanty period, I'm like, okay. You know, even though they're like, but my lining's always perfect when we go to do the transfer. It's like, it's still not a lot of, like the healthy blood flow. It's still not healthy. You know what I mean? It's, it's, and when I start to connect them to that or, you know, I'll ask them, do you ovulate every month? Yeah. I always get the, you know, this, this, the flashy smiley face, you know, on day 14, I'm like, do you see cervical mucus? Ah, uh, you know, I don't know. I didn't know. Does your sex drive go up? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't really paid attention to that. You know, we just have sex cause it's ovulation time. Like, okay. So yeah, that's where I see a, There's a lot of disconnect, you know, or how do you feel, you know, Oh, I've been doing intermittent fasting. Well, how do you feel at four o'clock in the afternoon? Oh, I always crash. I'm exhausted or I have a headache. Okay. Well, so that maybe it isn't working for you, you know, and, and we start to really pinpoint and, and drive home, you know, all these little increments of health, um, For me, I typically, you know, if I suspect autoimmunity going on, I mean, the main things I see is like digestive issues, skin issues, you know, typically there's like an eczema or psoriasis kind of thing, or those little bumps on the sides of your arms, Um, sinus issues. Uh, Maybe there's been more than one miscarriage without a live birth in between, you know, and I immediately start thinking, okay, something's going on in the immune system, the body's attacking itself and possibly attacking sperm or an embryo and, or even the eggs and creating poor quality eggs. You know, we start to, you really can help people connect the dots between like what their body is doing and then how, how good of an environment is it for pregnancy to happen? You know, and I want to see all these little shifts and sometimes it's just these little tweaks, right? Like, Oh, my migraines went away. My joint pain went away and I'm sleeping better. And then she gets pregnant, you know, after, you know, way too long of trying, but not that there's, you know, and and those things aren't magic solutions that I'm not promising anything like that, but that we really get women to connect and then supportive lifestyle and, you know, all these other techniques to come in and help shift that. And then you do, you see, you see things change. You just do.
0: Absolutely you do, for sure. I think it's really some of the symptoms that you're talking about, you know, these signs that the body might be attacking itself. I don't think most people recognize that as an autoimmune process. And I think the important thing to know about autoimmunity is that you don't just wake up one day with an autoimmune disease. Typically, autoimmunity is diagnosed once there's been enough tissue mm-mm, damage mm-mm. to result in the criteria that Western medicine uses for a diagnosis, but the process of the body attacking itself. That's it starts long before, sometimes decades before you're actually diagnosed with something. For instance, yeah, I, have decades, a family member, yeah. Yeah, I have a family member with Addison's disease and she was diagnosed with Addison's disease when she was literally dying in the hospital and none mm-hmm. of the doctors knew what was wrong with her because they'd never seen a case of it. And they finally brought in a specialist. But the thing about Addison's is that you have to have 90% of your adrenal glands destroyed before you get these dire symptoms that would result yeah. in diagnosis. And so let's kind of talk about mm-hmm. autoimmunity and the mm-hmm. autoimmune processes that can form in the body as a potential underlying factor to fertility issues. How common do you think this is? Because I think it's heavily underdiagnosed because of this long, you know, latency. That- it's really common.
1: I started noticing in the clinic that,
0: you know, eight out of 10 of
1: the women that are coming to me have Hashimoto's, right? You know, and, and they were never checked, right? I was like, has anybody checked your thyroid antibodies? what is that? You know, can I see your labs? No, uh, get your thyroid antibodies checked. And then sure enough, they'd come back and they had them, um, MTHFR, I think plays a large role. But so when I was researching for, yes, you can get pregnant for my second book, you know, and I was a research scientist for a while while I was uh, reapplying to medical school. And that was my main gig when I was in graduate school. And, um, I, uh, uh, you know, I like looking at the research and I started to notice that a lot of the current research talks about polycystic ovarian syndrome and endometriosis, both having autoimmune characteristics. Most people agree. Endo is an autoimmune condition. Polycystic, they're but uh, because of the metabolic disorder aspect to it, it looks like a diabetes type of thing. It looks like an autoimmune condition. Um, And then you throw in Hashimoto's, you throw in celiac and you're like, okay, so most of the girls I see in my clinic have one of those four, if not two of them. Um, And I I was interviewing doctors and I interviewed uh, Hugh Taylor. He heads up um, Yale Reproductive Medicine. And so this has got to be six years ago at this point. And I said to him, I was like, you know, the research, because he does a lot of research on environmental toxins and how they're impacting fertility and i was looking at his research and it was just you know and he was tying in this autoimmune link i could see it in some of his papers so i brought it up and i said i said you know it's just so fascinating like endometriosis and polycystic ovarian syndrome they're both have autoimmune you know presentations if you will even premature ovarian failure has some like there's ovarian antibodies that are present in some of these cases if they look for them um and he was like, he goes, "Girl, you are so onto something." He said, "Every single patient right now that comes into our clinic, we actually screen them for Hashimoto's and celiac disease." And he's like, "I am overwhelmed by the number of cases that come back positive." He's like, "It's almost like every girl dealing with fertility challenges actually has one of these two conditions that isn't been treated, hasn't been treated, and that's what's impacting their fertility." And I mean, the stat when I first started practicing, you know, sixteen years ago. Forty percent of you know I don't like to use the word infertility, so I don't use it. If you notice, forty percent of fertility challenges are endometriosis, right? And that's the structural blockages as well as um, you know just a lot of inflammation in the body. So what I started doing ten years ago was just treating everybody like they had endometriosis. I would put them on that kind of diet, and you know, and I noticed it was even the girls who don't have bad periods or didn't have symptoms of endometriosis. So, and then, you know, as I learned more, started looking into thyroid antibodies and sure enough, you know, most women would come back with them. And so it was a, you know, easy way to get them to really stick to the, the dietary recommendations of like, you have to act like you have an allergy to gluten dairy. And so basically that's how you have to live your life if you have it. And, and then they do that and they're, as I call them, the red flag symptoms will go away and they'd get pregnant, you know, um, or egg quality would improve. Um, really, really fascinating things would happen. And so- You know, you start to, I started to function under this understanding that most all women actually have some kind of undiagnosed or mismanaged autoimmune condition because girls might know they have hypothyroidism, right? And they're on medication, but Western medicine doesn't treat Hashimoto's any differently. It waits till, like you said, enough of the tissue is attacked, the thyroid stops functioning. Now we have to supplement but there's a lot we can do because it's telling me there's an inflammatory response going on in the body and if your body so autoimmunity is basically your body attacking its own tissues for unknown reasons and it'll it'll trigger one it like maybe attacks the thyroid but then it might start attacking other things like tissue in your ovaries or like sperm or the worst case scenario, which you typically see with recurrent miscarriages is it attacks the embryo and there's clotting factor issues that are all autoimmune linked. And then there's, you know, um, lots of inflammation in the uterus that will just, it basically just triggers an immune response. It says, Oh, this is a foreign object. We just gotta, we gotta starve it. But it's terrible. I mean, I hate talking about it out loud, but that's basically what happens. And so I also started working with um, Dr. Jeffrey Braverman, who, you know, he runs uh, Braverman Reproductive Immunology. He's unfortunately passed, but Dr. Andrea Vidali still runs that clinic. And they they focus completely on autoimmune and how, and they approach it that way. And these girls get and stay pregnant after they've had like four losses, you know, it's fascinating. And it's all about managing the immune system. It's not really about fertility. One thing I always want to remind women of is, is pregnancy is the only you know and i mean this lovingly i'm talking totally like a scientist right now but pregnancy is the only parasitic infection our body doesn't kill off and we actually don't understand why we we understand more now why but we didn't for a very long time because it was like why does it allow this and it kills everything else that's foreign right but, but an embryo is a foreign object in the body and if you have an immune response already going on in your body chances are it's not going to allow it to stay or even it could not allow your egg to mature the way it needs to, and or this, the embryo to divide the way it needs to, because there's too much inflammation in there, it basically compromises egg quality once the egg and sperm are formed. And this is, you know, I think a new-ish theory, but um, one that Braverman had, and I, and it really makes sense to me too that it's the environment in which the egg and sperm meet that determines the chromosomal, uh, you know, aberrations or not versus you know, the, the current theory of like, oh, well, you're too old and all your eggs are bad, right?
0: Yeah, it definitely. I, I think it's so cool that, there. Okay. yeah, that more more doctors and practitioners are really starting to think outside the box from what we understand more in the conventional medical model And they are starting to look for, you know, do we have this all published in the research? Not necessarily, not yet, you know, not as much as we would like to, but that's how we get stuff into the research is we start to have theories, we make observations, we see what works and then we go, you know what, we really need to fund a study on this and look deeper into it. So, you know, the lack of published research on a particular issue doesn't mean it's not relevant. It just means that that's the next place that we might need to look
1: there still are doctors that are just adamantly against the autoimmune approach to fertility and they're typically older school. And I always say like what they're doing has been working for 80% of their cases. So I get it. You know, they just, that's their opinion. They're probably, they're not up on the research, which is a shame because you see a lot of new or younger docs. They're definitely up on it, you know, where, um, they're looking at clotting factors right away, you know, or they do a miscarriage panel right away, or they talk, you know, they look at um, all the potential autoimmune factors, looking at Hashimoto's and they're paying attention to the thyroid and the vitamin D, you know, that they're, they're much more aware of it, but it still is relatively, you know, um, unknown, you know, I'll get women that, they've never had a miscarriage panel, but they've had three miscarriages, you know, no one's even sent them out for additional testing. Uh, And they just keep saying, well, it's it's your age, it's your age, it's your age, you know, even if they're 35. Um, And that's, that's a shame uh, because miscarriage is very traumatic, but, um, and it probably could have been prevented, you know, so hopefully more and more. I mean, there's some great books out there. The one by Dr. Beers is your body baby friendly. It was, I think it's the only one of its kind at this point, but he, he's, he's literally, I think the, the leader in this field. And then there's a, a handful of really good doctors out there now that will work with women anywhere in the world and help them get the right testing. They don't even need to see them for fertility. Treatment. A lot of these women don't even need fertility treatments. They just need to manage the autoimmunity and then they get pregnant, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's very, and then I also think like the way, you know, I come in and support emotionally and dietarily, and then acupuncture helps regulate the immune system. You know, it, it really does work. And I wonder if that's part of the reason why acupuncture is so successful for fertility is because of the immune regulating effects it has.
0: Yeah, that's I think that's a really plausible possibility. That that's one of the things that is really improving and I think that there is such a a huge component of the mind body issues, the thoughts, the beliefs, just even energetically like what what's going on in the body and I think acupuncture yeah. definitely has a unique approach to that. So talk about some of the recommendations that you make for this process of kind of reconnecting to the body, like this, this first pillar and body belief that you talk about, how does that reconnecting process work? I think a lot of people are like, yeah, I need that. But how do I do it?
1: (laughs) Um, You have to tune in. So I think a good first step is, uh, you know, I, I'd love uh, for everyone to have a daily meditation practice. That might be hard for some, but start paying attention. Like what's the first thought you think when you look at yourself in the mirror or what's the first thought you think when you open the refrigerator to get your breakfast ready? Are you thinking like, Oh, I have to eat like the gluten-free toast and I freaking hate being gluten-free, but I'm still like, getting pregnant and you know I hate this diet I just hate this diet it's still not working or is it I feel so much better with these dietary changes and I'm so excited to eat you know um, starting to pay attention to like your relationships like your most important relationships what are the first thoughts you think or are you tense when you're with this person or are you relaxed and happy and joyful you know that's really like the, the those are the important things to start to pay attention to in the reconnecting. It's just like, how are you moving throughout your day? What are you thinking when you're, you know, engaging yourself? What are you thinking when you're alone with your thoughts? Like, what is the loop you go back to? And, you know, how supportive and kind is it versus how uh, destructive is it? And I, I recommend, you know, having a journal or texting yourself or emailing yourself, you know, these comments. And thoughts that you just start to hear. You'll you'll really just start to hear them. Another way to do it is, you know, when I think about trying to get pregnant, what's the first thought that comes to mind? Write that down. When I think about my relationship, what's the first thought? Write that down. When I think about my body, what's the first thought? Write that down. When I think about, you know, my job, what's the first thought that comes to mind? Is it a connecting tool as well. And you start to then say, oh, okay, so that is my first thought. And then notice how often am I saying that to myself every day. And, you know, I have exercises like that in the book, and then I, what I get you to do is just kind of read a little bit. How could I say that better, right? So you identify this limiting belief, is what we call it in the spiritual world, then you start to shift it a little bit. Um, but, it, yeah, in order to do that, you really have to slow down and start to react less, You know, and just respond more, right? It's like, am I reacting to this situation or am I taking a deep breath and responding with intention? You know, and that's most of our life becomes a reaction to things, and that creates a hostile environment. It just does. It's like we're always in the defense, we're always, you know, arguing for our limitations. This is another way we put it, you know, and and where in there, you know, another, another exercise, especially when it comes to trying to get pregnant is, you know, tell me your elevator pitch fertility story. How, how supportive or negative is that? How focused on all the failures, right? Girls will usually say like, I've had four failures, um, you know, and it's like, okay, we're really focused on all these things that are wrong and tell me the things that have gone right. Tell me the things you've learned. Uh, and how to start to shift that and be kinder to yourself because that becomes a story too. Of I'm a failure. I'm a failure at this getting pregnant thing. I fail. I failed at it many times, and you know and that becomes a story. And it just then that's the loop you get stuck in, right? That's a trauma loop, like you said. I'm gonna I'm gonna hijack that that um, phrase from you. I love it. Yeah, um, I that from Annie but Oh, well, great. Yes, I knew it, it probably had to exist out there because it's a great, but it's exactly what it is. And then you just get on that, you're on that hamster wheel and you just can't get off of it. And then it's just like, well, screw it. I'm, I'm not following the diet today because there's no point. I fail at this anyway. And I'm, I'm just going to have another failure. Like, why, why should the diet it doesn't work for me? This hasn't worked. These supplements don't work. I'm just going to stop taking them, right? You know, it just becomes, well, meditation doesn't work for me. I've tried it and I still fail. It becomes this really vicious loop that then impacts the behaviors, which impacts the health, but then also impacts the physiology. So yeah, I mean, that first step in reconnecting is just slowing down and listening, listening to your body. How does my body feel when I skip breakfast and don't eat until two o'clock in the afternoon? You know, how does my body feel when I'm around this person or this person? And just and it's not like you can just up and quit your job or leave certain relationships, but you could... Start to, I don't know, shift your approach to them, right? Or spend less time with certain people. Um, You know, it's, but you have to get off autopilot, is really what reconnecting is about.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Autopilot, it's so tempting to just live that way all the time, right? Because we have other things that are occupying our conscious mind. And so we are kind of, yeah, living in that in that subconscious space most of the time and just trying to focus on whatever's coming at us that day, like work or relationships or any other stressors that we're dealing with. Talk about the specifics behind how acupuncture and Chinese medicine really support <laughs> this whole process of reconnecting and, you know, how we can get more in our bodies and and how we can start looking at and supporting fertility and overall health from this different perspective. Because I know a lot of women don't have any experience with how acupuncture can help them, what Chinese medicine is all about. So talk a little bit about that.
1: Sure. You know, as I always say acupuncture is one facet of Chinese medicine, right? Chinese medicine is acupuncture and herbs and lifestyle and diet and mental emotional and you know the way we see it is if a woman lives in accordance with the Tao, as in the Tao Te ching or tao or dao it's called two different ways uh, she should be able to conceive into her late 40s um you know and that means she's sleeping enough she's she's eating with the seasons she's uh, managing her emotions well she's focusing on joy she's processing things you know um, having sex that she enjoys versus, honey, ovulating sex, you know, those types of things that, that she's um, doing all these things that properly support her body and her vitality and her longevity and her ability to procreate should last until they actually say the age of 49. Um, and so again, acupuncture is one piece that, you know, acupuncture is based on the, the theory that chi and blood, which is chi is our vital energy, you know, course through the body, through these meridians, there's 12, 14, and some extra meridians in there, um, depending on sources. Uh, and we say any disease, which is just in the body, so disease could be hormonal acne to, you know, endometriosis to habitual miscarriages to cancer, you know, it could be really anything, but any disease in the body is, is a result of energy getting stuck somewhere. And what we need to do is unblock it. And acupuncture is amazing at that. So are herbs, obviously, you know, dietary and lifestyle changes as well. Acupuncture is also really good at regulating and calming the nervous system. We know that now from, you know, Western research. Uh, I think it, again, like we were talking before, it helps also regulate the immune system we do know from research, it helps with regulating uterine blood flow, ovarian function, you know, all sorts of really good stuff for women trying to conceive. I also see it as a really good way to help you reconnect. So, you know, I always say acupuncture is basically, um, sorry, my little guy is standing outside my office, um, being very loud. Um, it's a good way to, Reconnect you know physically right like i 'm literally making the body make its connections again i 'm telling it like, okay, move the energy here, move the energy here, put you back in your body it 's also a really nice uh, treat for self you know it 's very stress reducing and often acupuncturist you know um, it 's a very caring experience too you know i 'm so much of a support system to all of my girls and and any of my male clients too, you know, where uh, it's, it's a a relationship that we form too. So it's not just you coming into me, sticking needles in you, you know, I'm checking in on how everything's working and you're sharing and we're processing emotions and, you know, and that's the other thing too. It really helps as you do acupuncture, as those connections start to be remade and the chi starts flowing through your body, things come up, you know, that, and you're like, oh gosh, I still haven't processed that, or I still haven't grieved. You know, the first time I I had acupuncture. I remember I just sobbed on the table and I didn't know why, Uh, you know, and things really came up and out for me and it was a, a huge awakening and, and it continues to be, you know, I always say it feels like someone hits my reset button, you know, every time I get it. And, and then now the research too, you know, fertility doctors love us because we seem to improve their success rates by upwards of like 30 or 40%. So they love recommending acupuncture and most of them will say, we don't really know why, but it's helping with something. So you should do it. Um and and yeah, it's a it's another means of really reconnecting. You know, it's like a forced meditation, right? We put these needles in you and leave you to cook, as I say, for about 20 minutes um, with some nice music and a heat lamp and you're nice and cozy. And most people either fall asleep or meditate and they really feel in their bodies again, which I feel like is is more than half of uh what I do for a living. My job is just to get you back in your body. feeling all the feels so then we can figure out they say the patient knows how to treat themselves you know my job is to just listen but in order for you to know what you need you have to live in your body again and that's what acupuncture really helps
0: with absolutely I love that uh, there is so much referral happening now from conventional medicine to acupuncture oh, and yeah. I think it's great if they're like, okay, well, we don't really know exactly why it works, but we know that it does and we're willing to to send you there and recommend that and, you know, it's okay that they don't understand from a scientific perspective exactly what it is that's happening, but just the openness and the willingness to allow that yeah. integrative care because women get better results when they have integrative care.
1: Absolutely, they do and it's just another set of eyes and ears you know um there's a lot of conversation like oh well she's a fertility acupuncturist versus she's not and i kind of touched upon this before and i would say what what makes certain people fertility acupuncturists is not that there's specific points that are good for fertility that we know more about than other acupuncturists it's just that we know the western side of things very well and so we can walk you through it you know clomid versus letrozole like should i do you know um, who's checked your thyroid, right? Uh, how many embryos, you know, did you get? Are you going to send them off for testing, like that kind of stuff? Like, you know, I know a lot about and I wasn't necessarily trained on that. You can go and do additional training on that. But that's really helpful for women because now they have another person to bounce it off of, right? You know, okay, my thyroid was a 2.6. Do you think that's right? And no, I think it should be closer to a 2, right? That kind of conversation, talk to your doctor about that. Make sure you get this tested. You know, what's your progesterone at? And so it's another support system another piece to your team, which is just so important because this is not, it's not easy. And no one, no one signed up for it. No one expected their life to go this way. And so there's a lot, you know, you need, you need to call in support and you deserve it. You deserve the extra support.
0: Yeah. And I think it's good to, I guess kind of use each modality and way of treating the body for what it can give you. And so, you know, with Western medicine, they're gonna be really super up on the technology and the drugs that can help kind of move mm-hmm. along, but they're not gonna necessarily have the time to spend to do some of these more support types exactly. for you, to look into the emotional health, to spend an hour with you digging into something specific, either about diet or emotional trauma or something like that. And so having different people that are specifically focused on different areas for you, allows you to get everything that you need, um, and it's just not reasonable to expect that from only one provider. Exactly, 100%. Awesome. Well, this was such a great conversation. I really appreciate you coming on the show and and offering your perspective and your vast amount of clinical experience. You've been doing this a long time and you've accumulated a lot of different knowledge and I just really had a great experience reading through your books and I think they're such valuable resources. So tell listeners more about how and where they can learn more from you.
1: Everything's on my website at amyraup.com and my books are available anywhere books are sold. So you can check those out or just head to the website and we have a books page on there as well. And uh, my Instagram and Facebook, you know, I go live every week on both those pages. And I talk about different, mostly fertility related topics or autoimmune related topics And, you know, that's my uh, way of of giving back every week. I'm giving free information out there and, you know, we're, we're always posting and inspiring. We have a beautiful blog on my website that's called stories of hope. And we're always sharing different um, stories of hope of women who have, have been through this challenge and what they did to get to the other side. Or, you know, some, some stories are, you know, different choices they made that led them down different paths too, but just to inspire hope for, for all of you out there who are in the midst of this.
0: I love that the stories of hope, the success stories, those are so important, you know, for exactly the reasons that we talked about earlier is really some of those beliefs for yourself because it is possible. And many women have done
1: it. It is. Yeah, it is. It is. It really is.
0: So my last question, and I like mm-hmm. to ask this of all of my interviewees, is just what are your top closing pieces of advice or pearls of wisdom you want to share for women who are struggling on their fertility journey right now?
1: I think that if you're still in it, which you obviously are, if you're listening to a podcast like this and you still have hope, you know, to keep looking, keep looking under every rock until you'll find, you'll find your, your if you will, peace that needs the tweaking, you know, um, not to give up, um, you know, and I, I, mean, this in a loving way, be pushy with your doctors, ask for the tests that you need done. If they don't support you, find another doctor. You should only be working with people that actually believe this can happen for you. And, um, yeah, you know, you're here. And I think just what I said before is like honor that hope that's still within you. And also not to forget that fertility is an extension of health. And so look at the whole picture of your health and work on that piece, work on feeling your most vital mentally and emotionally and physically and nutritionally. And, and I can assure you your fertility will thrive as an extension of that.
0: Amazing advice. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you again for being here. I really enjoyed this. I think listeners are going to find it really valuable. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for all the work you do. Thank you.